And we are back for another episode of Touch Em All. I'm your host, Hayden McDaniel. Alongside me tonight, we have, of course, as always, the Latino lady magnet himself, Jose Del Rio. <laughs> and tonight we have a special guest. If you've watched my show, Fourth and Wrong, all, se- all college football season, he really needs no introduction, but it's his first time on Touch Em All. He is putting the glove on tonight and playing some, and, uh, playing some baseball with us, talking some baseball. We have Jamie Cheek with us. Jamie, thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you on tonight. Thank you guys for having me. So let's just go ahead and cut to the chase. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's talk about this lockout. Um, well, first, let me give you all a rundown of what we're going to talk about tonight. I feel like I didn't give you all that. We're going to talk about the lockout, um, everything that's gone on these past four days, everything that's gone on or hasn't really gone on. Uh, these past four days. Um, then we're going to talk Braves fans. We're going to sit down and we're going to break down this Freddie Freeman situation. I know a lot of you are unhappy with the rumors that have come out this week. And uh, we're going to sit here. We're going to talk about it for a little while, a little bit. And then Bra- this is just kind of like a, after the lockout situation, it's a lot about the Braves tonight. We're going to give our all time Atlanta Braves lineup. It's going to be a fun one. I think uh, I'm, I'm interested in seeing Jose and Jamie's side on this and uh we're gonna have some fun but first let's rip the band-aid off let's talk about the negative part of baseball before we get to the positive of making our all-time lineup let's talk about the lockout what the little progress that has been made this week guys overall it's been really really frustrating as a baseball fan to constantly be checking twitter refreshing my twitter every day when i get home and seeing that little to no progress was made in the five hours that the players and owners have been sitting there and trying to come up with a resolution. And Jamie, I know you and I talked about it this week, so I'm I'm going to go to you first on this. What needs to be done? What like what the, the what needs to be done in order for this to come to a resolution? And are we anywhere close to even making the deadline on Monday at this point? Well, I I think the biggest thing that needs to be done is that it needs to get to Monday. I mean, the reality of these situations, and Major League Baseball, you know, has run up against this before. But the other sports, I mean, we've had a lockout in the NBA. The NHL missed an entire season. You know, these negotiations don't get real until they have to. And so as much of a dangerous game as the owners are playing by putting the deadline, the Monday deadline for the cancellation of regular season games out there, it may just be the thing that actually – gets the two sides to actually come to some resolution. I mean, I think the, the crazy part at this point is both of these sides know what the other wants. There's no way the general framework of what a deal is going to look like is not already known on both sides. It's probably just a very small batter of, is it 50-50? Are we going to give a little more and take a little less? But, I mean, the, the general – I mean, Buster Olney, all those guys have written, this is what this is going to look like afterward. It's just a matter of how much sport, the damage the sport inflicts until then. Yeah. Jose, I know you've had a lot of passionate thoughts about this as you and I have really tried to uncover this. Are you still more on the player's side of this, or do you think that maybe now it's time to kind of meet in the middle and come to a resolution for the sake of the, for the integrity and the sake of the game of baseball? Yeah, it's funny you ask that. And by the way, it's good to have another perspective here because you and I just rambled about all this for a while. It seems like nothing's changed uh, since we kind of first started talking about the lockout. Um, but 
You know, it, it's funny because I used to be really supportive of the players, and, and I and I still am really uh, of their of their vision and kind of their goals. But now I'm more of a fan in the sense that we got to get this game going because it's it's inflicting so much damage into the sport as every day that carries on. Um, you know, and I and I know the owners are still not putting up a lot, uh, and the players are also not backing down from their from their uh, you know their demands. I believe their demands are, are justified, not not like the owners, but they're not giving in. And I and I agree with Jamie. I think come Monday. Uh, they're both going to have fire under them. Somebody has to give in. Uh, and maybe then with the pressure of, a, of games being canceled, you know, opening day is now going to be canceled. MLB saying, you know, those games will not uh, be rescheduled. So maybe that's going to make them do something because we've had a whole week of negotiations, I believe, starting Monday. And the reality is we're walking at a snail pace. It's not doing a lot. They're finally talking, which is great. This is definitely better than it was last week, but it's not fast enough. And uh, hopefully that deadline uh, does something for them, you know. Yeah, I would agree. I know uh, – first I'll give my thoughts, and then I'll talk about something a little bit more. But, yeah, I, I, I agree that – Jamie and I talked about it a little bit last night that we felt like the owners were playing a little bit of a dangerous game by threatening the deadline to be a Monday and games being canceled and not being made up. Um but for those that have not been following the lockout closely, so basically yesterday the owners came out and said a deadline is a deadline. If we don't have a deal in by Monday, opening day will be canceled and we will start losing games. And players will not be paid for the games that they miss. And so the players came back, or I don't know if the players came back, but the whole situation, the players would be able to reject the expanded playoff deal. So basically in both deals, both sides would be losing money in this situation, which is what this whole not core economic issue has been about. It's been about money. It's been about the minimum salary, um, the competitive balance tax, all that stuff, which is way over my head because I'm not a finance guy. But um, the baseball stuff has been worked out. You've got the universal DH. You've got the um, – there's some, some other deal that's slipping my mind that they came to an agreement to. I think it was something with, with the draft picks. So the baseball side of things seems like it's been worked out, but they are so far apart on the core economic issues at this point that it just feels like, like y'all both said, it's just dragging on. And I mean, right now it, it it's pretty dark. It's, yeah. it seems like there's no way that there's going to be a deal on Monday, but Jamie, you said it yesterday that sometimes it has to get worse before it gets better. Right. And hopefully I'm, I, I'm, I'm hanging on to that a little bit, but hopefully it will get a little bit, or hopefully this is the worst of it all. And within the next, you know, 72 to 96 hours, it starts getting better because it really cannot get much worse than this. I haven't, um, I haven't seen a, a figure tied to the expanded playoffs for how much money that is for the owners. I did see a tweet today that said that for every game lost, uh, the players as a as a union, every player uh, would would basically be about twenty million dollars. Yeah, every single game. So uh, it's big money. It's not just money. It's big money that both sides are going to lose if they go past Monday. So it it feels to me like. Something will happen. Both sides will come out and say they won. But I think something's going to happen on Monday. 
I'm 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 hanging I'm hanging on behind you, Jamie. I'm 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 hoping that that is what happens there. I know I, I was only seven years old in 2002. Last time that there was a big ordeal like this, where there was a deadline. I can't remember everything that happened. I did a little research on it earlier this week because all I remember is thinking about you know in the middle of the season that uh, the strike was going to occur, and then at the last minute. At, the the eleventh hour, a deal was struck, and we continued to play baseball for the rest of the year in two thousand two. I can't remember exactly what all that was, but I'm hoping something similar happens here, that we have an eleventh hour deal, and you know, even if it's not what each side wants, that something can be worked out because at this point, yeah, a lot of money's going to be lost. A lot of fans have already tuned out based on what I've seen on Twitter but you don't really trust everything you see on Twitter anymore. But um, I- I'm really hoping that by the uh, at the 11th hour there's a deal struck because right now it's it's not looking good, but it has to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. One thing, Hayden, uh, you were talking about, like, the draft and uh, the uh, the um, DH hitter can think of the name, or the DH agreement, you know, that they've come about. But to be honest, that stuff has been in the mix for a while. Like, that was – small things to really agree on. We all knew the DH was going to come one day. Right. Uh, and the draft, you know, they both sides have been kind of thinking about it. You know, the whole, we talked about this in previous shows about the whole tanking problem. Uh, so honestly, what kind of progress have they made? This is what makes me nervous. Will they actually, uh, will one side give up, you know, and I don't know who will. Uh, we hope that's the case, but somebody's going to have to give in here to, to make this happen. And we have a season on time. I don't. I don't, honestly, I don't have faith that it's going to happen. As much as I hate to say it, I don't have faith that this will stay on time. Well, I think the the biggest reason that I I think it will happen is if they pass Monday, and the owners stick to canceling games, and the players go ahead and take away expand, expanded playoffs at least for twenty two. When when do you get people back to the table? Like. At that point, and this is what happened with the lockout in '94, and I know I'm 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 dating myself a little bit here, um, <laughs> but in '94, once it got to the point that games were lost, there was no incentive for either side not to just dig in. And the '95 season even started late, so you lost the '94, the end of the regular season, the playoffs, the World Series, but the '95 season started late. So I think that that season was only 130 games or something like that. So once this deadline was put in place, you go past it and the players are going to like, all right, we're already losing money. We, we have to make this up. We cannot let them run over us. Um, and it's really funny that once regular season games start getting lost, that's maybe when the owners, even though they're the ones that created the deadline, they're the ones that are going to hurt financially. If there's empty stadiums, um, that, that, is a very interesting part of this to me is that right now the owners seem to have their leverage after Monday. I'm not sure they do. Yeah. I, I, I read something the other day or no, it was actually today um, on Twitter. I can't remember who it was from, but they said something where the, the um, effects start kicking in for the owners, probably about mid April when that you start really seeing how much revenue was really lost with the owners. So I, I'm, you really got to think that something's going to happen in the next few days. I, 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 you would hope 
you would hope that you know that these people don't run the game into the ground at this point. Um, I think one problem is we have too many Mets players representing the players. That's probably <laughs> that's that's my biggest issue with all this. Y'all both know my stance on the Mets. We got too many Mets players representing the players association. We need uh, we need a little bit of balance out there. I mean, well, but you know, with their whole signings this this time around, they're you know how smart they the Mets are. They they're good. They're gonna help us out. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're really gonna you know. I'm really confident seeing those guys show up every day and seeing the Mets. How many freaking Mets pages have popped up on my Twitter feed this week? Oh man, I'm so tired of seeing that. But anyway, moving on from that aside, yeah, I, I'm really hoping that it, something has to be done. I think honestly, who I'm surprised we have not heard from a lot, and I'm sure he's probably in a very awkward position because he's been a player and now he's an owner is Derek Jeter. The owner he's now the owner of the Marlins. I'm surprised he hasn't been a little bit more involved in these negotiations to maybe try to I guess he kind of has to keep his mouth shut because he's been a player, but he's also now an owner. But I'm I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts. Is there would y'all be surprised to see Derek Jeter show up to the table at any point in the coming days? Yeah, I, I mean maybe maybe he that could entrust some confidence. Um, I don't know. Derek Jeter's been an interesting kind of owner down with the Marlins. He's kind of been a bit quiet in a sense. Uh, and I, I've heard reports of some of the players maybe not really like him or issues down there. I don't know. I don't think it's going to come down to one person that's going to come out and help. Uh, I didn't think it would, but I'm just kind of saying, like, you know, someone who's been on both sides of the ball now. Maybe. I, mean, I see what you're to... saying. Like, bring some confidence into both sides or, like, some sort of uh, – you know, you have a player, like you're saying, a former player and a current owner that could see both sides and maybe bring both guys to the table a little closer. Uh, possibly. I mean, he would be the only – the other candidate. I'm trying to think of another owner that's um, – I, I mean, man, like I keep saying, Manfred is, is – he's hired to be the puppet of the owners, right? Mm-hmm. And based on what he's been saying – he. by the way, we have not heard from the dude. I know I'm kind of going away from your question. Uh but we need to be hearing from what the owners are thinking. You know, where are they? And he's the guy who's supposed to be talking about what's happening with the game and hasn't really done any anything uh, in terms of come out to the press and, you know, talk, except that one time. Right. So, anyway. I, I, I think the thing is, like, they keep saying no progress, no progress, no progress. And then the, oh, there was that alleged rumor that I sent y'all that, you know, the owners came out and said they, quote, ran out of ideas, which we don't know if that is an accurate statement. We haven't seen it reported by a verified baseball insider. But if the owners had run out of ideas, I mean, the fact that they're still meeting tomorrow for a fifth straight day, that's where I'm a little bit confused, too. I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, I would love to hear from Manfred at this point, even though, you know, his words mean absolutely nothing at this point because – he came out and he's the one that came out and said losing games would be detrimental to the game or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I, I would like to hear from him, even though his words mean nothing. So I know that kind of sounds like a, a uh, contradiction there, but Jamie, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on all this. Uh, I, do, I, do you I, bring I, in a player owner? Like what, anything, Rob Manfred? I don't know. We no, your they, thoughts on all of this. I think the Derek Jeter thing's kind of funny. I mean, Jeter is a partial owner of the Marlins, and I mean he's he's the public face, right? But like, if he tries to go into the room and he starts trying to like speak 
in in front of these billionaires, they're just going to tell him to sit down and shut up. Like he he <laughs> he 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 runs one of the worst franchises in Major League Baseball. Like no. He he doesn't have any sway. And the fact that I mean the players aren't going to look at him as a a former player as much as a current owner. And the decisions that he's made down there. I mean, Jose talked about the fact that like a lot of the Marlins players are are not have especially the ones that have left have, have insinuated that they uh, were not big fans of his and everything. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't think Derek Jeter's the answer. Honestly, I don't think there's much that Manfred could say right now that would mean anything because the reality is the owner's argument, and, and usually anytime there's these CBA negotiations, no matter the sport, the owners don't really have an argument that the public want to hear. Like, we want to hear that there's going to be games and that everything's got worked out and we're moving forward the season. That's all we want to hear. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to hear the billionaires try to explain why they need more money. It's just not something palatable to the American public. So you're not going to hear a whole lot out of him. I think the, the biggest problem right now is that the owners, they seem pretty – set in their ways and i mean if you you know hey you said april was when they would start feeling it i if we go past monday i genuinely believe i'm not thinking we're i don't know that we lose the whole season but it could be a long time a very long time and i don't know i don't know i mean you guys were (laughs) you guys were not born or anything when when 94 happened but it, it hurt the game a lot yeah. It really, really did, and it it took the steroid uh, era and all the home runs to bring it back. Um, I, I don't know. It'll yeah. be it'll be a sad thing if 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 this drags into the regular season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know you said yesterday that if the NBA playoffs start before the MLB regular season gets started, that this is going to be a bad. That's a bad sign for the game. Yeah. So I mean, we'll the see. game's already in, in, in a spot where we have to do something to grow it um and i mean that's debatable what but we're seeing decline in viewership and and things like that and you know it's an amazing sport and the product is great but this is not going to help any marketing efforts not going to help it grow uh as we talked about i mean and and especially for us as braves fans like this is awful coming after a a, a championship (laughs) season you know this is our year i got that I know. We've got a title to defend, and we want to defend it. But, Jose, you talked about the Braves. We'll move on from the lockout. There's plenty more we could talk about. But we're going to try to try to remain optimistic, especially with this topic that we're moving on. Since, you know, this is an MLB podcast, but we're all going to show a little bit of bias here because we're Atlanta Braves fans. We're going to talk about the Braves, particularly one Atlanta Brave, Freddie Freeman, the elephant in the room. You know, the rumor that came out this week that um, teams – are starting to get the idea that Freddie's not going to re-sign with Atlanta, even though we're in a lockout. And so, I mean, there's no contact with, from any teams to players. But is there any truth to these rumors? Is it clickbait or is it just – is there any truth to these rumors that Freddie Freeman's not going to return to Atlanta? Because I'm I, – I have been very adamant from the start that we're going to get a deal done with Freddie Freeman. Unfortunately, this lockout has interfered with that. I'm still optimistic. Am I as optimistic? Not really. I mean, I'll say I was 90 to 95% optimistic that a deal was going to get done with Freddie. 
now I'm leaning towards about 70 to 75% optimistic. Jose, I know you and I have talked about this, so I'm going to go to you first. How, give, me, give me a percentage of optimism about this Freddie Freeman situation. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just like this whole lockout. I get more negative as time goes by, as you can probably see from the text that I sent you the other day of this, these whole reports. I, I mean, honestly, I do think that Freddie Freeman, we know the kind of player he is and how he conducts himself. I really do think he wants to be back. Yeah. Um, we don't really know what Alex has offered him or what the front office has offered him. So a lot of this is just speculation. And, I mean, you think about it as Freddie. You would – I mean, I, I would never be in a position like this. But imagine getting these huge contracts from around the league. He's going to at least listen, right? Right. So – I think it's true. Like, and and even Chipper came out and said that he wasn't he wasn't happy. You know, uh, was upset that they didn't give him a contract uh, last spring training, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it, it, I mean, I don't know how all of that, but as time goes on, it just it, it scares me. But if you're asking for a percentage, I'll probably go along with your lines. Uh, you know, uh, seventy-five and twenty-five. Um, he's he's just a key player. I mean, he's. We need him back. I think, in my opinion, if we want to repeat, we have to have him back. Not just because of his bats and stats, <laughs> you know, at bats. Um, I think the biggest thing is the leader role that he provides. Like, you cannot fill that gap that easily. Yeah, he's the he's the modern day Chipper Jones in Atlanta. I would agree with that. But I'll give my ta- I'll give my take here in a minute. Jamie, I want to hear your take. You and I've talked about this as well. Ta- you two are probably the people I've talked to the most about this off the air. But I'm ready to hear your thoughts, Jamie. I know you kind of had some yeah. some uh, some thoughts on it like, earlier this week. I mean, I I think I mean I still think I'm a little less optimistic. I would say it's like sixty forty that he comes back. Um, I I am to me it, it's it's more frustrating how all this has happened. Right. I, I don't understand why there wasn't a deal last year coming off an MVP. I don't understand why they didn't do something quickly after the end of the regular season. And I mean, I know, you know, like Jose said, there's a lot of speculation. I mean, it's pretty widely reported that five for one thirty-five was the Braves offer. Right. And that Freddie wanted a six year. Now it's it's speculation, but it seems like that's out there enough that there's got to be some real, that that's got to be close to real, if not exactly right. So, what I don't understand is if we're saying, okay, five for 135, I mean, that's essentially 25 a year. I guess that's like, what, 26 and a half a year, something like that? I think like it's that. close to t- pushing 27, yeah. Okay. So that means you're done at what, six and 160, essentially? Yeah, right yeah. around that. Right yeah. around that ballpark, yeah. I, I, I don't understand how that's not done. So, yep. you, you know what I mean? And, and so, I mean, Instead of doing six and one sixty, do five and one thirty-five with a twenty-five million dollar option, mutual option, and then like a fifteen million dollar buyout. You know right. what I mean? Like it could be done, and 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 it, it's weird to me that it didn't get done. And what's so frustrating is, like Jose said, now you're going to ask Freddie Freeman to turn down money instead of giving him a lot of money, which somebody is going to do you're going to have to ask him to say no to seven years and two ten from somebody who just doesn't care. I mean, we've seen it. Los Angeles, like both of the Los Angeles teams, New York hasn't done this as much lately. Um, the, the Yankees, but 
somebody will overpay him. Yeah. And to tell him, you know, I mean, I understand we're talking about huge amounts of money, but anybody walking away from $50 million is, is, is not the easiest thing in the world, right? Right. So, I mean, he said he wanted to be here. We said he, we wanted him here. It's just annoying that it didn't get done. I still think it gets done, but if it doesn't get done, Alex Anthopoulos really is going to have to explain it. And I don't know, even if he goes out and he makes the, the move for Matt Olson or, or gets you know somebody else to replace him and they play well, I, I don't think that actually fixes it. I mean, even if you bring somebody else in and you win another World Series, to me, it, it doesn't actually deal with the problem, which is, are we not going to pay anybody? Right. I would, yeah, that it's a very, it's a very interesting topic. Yes. That you, that you brought that up because it's, I, I do think a deal does get done. I think that those rumors, I mean, I, I'm not as optimistic as I was. I do think there is a chance that he will leave um, because, I mean, at this point, it's out there. So, and Freddie hasn't come out and said anything different. So maybe there is something to that rumor. I don't know. But we always know that one thing is Alex Anthopoulos doesn't really discuss any of his um, uh, what am I looking, what am I looking for here? Any any of his any 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 of his ideas, any of his uh, any of the things that he's doing developing as he's as it's going on. Any of his negotiations, any of the players that he's out there that he's out there trying to get because I mean I mean look at what happened last year. You go out and at the deadline, it literally what two hours before the deadline and you get three or four key pieces that end up getting you from under 500 at the at the deadline to winning a world series and none none of these guys were even thought of the night before the deadline so i mean at at this point i'm trying to learn to just trust alex anthopoulos and see what he has planned if we don't get freddie freeman but it, it is a very head-scratching move because, like I said, he's the modern-day Chipper Jones. I mean, Chipper was the face of the Atlanta Braves for many, many years. Freddie Freeman has taken over as the face of the franchise. And if you don't get back your face of the franchise, you're going to lose a lot of your fans regardless of what happens. Yeah, the fact that we're talking about this and potentially him going to L.A. is a disgrace. to Oh, it, it makes me sick. I saw uh, I saw a picture of him on Twitter in a Mets uniform today, well, and I almost threw up. I, I had a I have a buddy who's a Dodgers fan who sent me a, a, a picture on, with him and with a Dodgers hat. Can you imagine that? A year oh. after we beat him the way we did, and all the agony that they've given us, and he goes to to the Dodgers. This is a possibility that the front office solely has allowed to happen. They could have done it last year. They could have done it this year. Even uh, Alex has said that he had that he was willing to spend a good amount of money or something along those lines. Um, but why they they didn't do it, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right, Hayden. Maybe he's got something in his back pocket. But we the Braves have made a good amount of profit this year. They've reported they're a public, you know, they're owned by this public uh, great company that I'm not a fan of. But uh, you know, they don't spend enough money on the Braves. They've made all the fans have paid all this money, made all this. I mean, we're world champions, right? We right. have to worry about, well, can we afford him or how much we pay him? Pay the guy what he wants, 
Keep him. We need him uh, for another, at least a shot. Uh, I mean, he's kind of the what holds the whole in, – in a way, he's kind of the leader in the clubhouse. Like, what happens if he leaves? Everyone's like, well, you know, you've got Matt Olson or, you know, this other first base, Matt Rizzo. It's not going to be the same. It, it, we're right. not talking numbers. We're talking about who can lead a team out there that plays every game. That's Freddie. He's playing every game. He's he's selfless. Uh, you know, you, you never see him uh, – the, the most excited I've ever seen him was when he hit that home run against the Brewers. Uh, but other than that, it's all about his team. And yeah. you cannot you cannot find that in baseball. Tell me another first baseman or any other player in baseball that can come close to a character like him. Uh, yeah. The Braves, in my opinion, uh, if this does not happen, this is solely on the front office, and I will never forgive the Braves front office for a terrible move. If do it. Wow. Yeah. I mean <laughs> – I just wonder what would be the holdback, you know? I mean, is it Liberty Media or is Alex Anthopoulos seeing something that people from the outside are not seeing? No, I, I mean, I, I think it's the nervousness of – I mean, we saw Albert Pujols for L.A. in the playoffs, shell of himself. I mean, you – he doesn't want to be paying him when he's 38, 39 years old. That's, that's it. Like, Freddie Freeman for the next few years – no problem. He'd pay him whatever he wanted. He'd probably pay him more money per year over the next three or four years to not have to pay him year six or year seven or whatever it ends up being. And in, and he's right. And that that's that's the hard part. Like, down the road, I mean, maybe Freddie is the Tom Brady of baseball, and he can play until he's, you know, 40 or 41 and, and not really have a huge regression. But you're going to end up, whoever pays him, even if it is the Braves, just probably going to end up overpaying for him at the end of the contract, and that's what he wants to avoid. Not to mention, it's this is not a – I don't think this deal is happening in a vacuum because you've got Max Freed that you're going to have to pay. You've got Ian Anderson. I know that's down the road, but you're going to have to pay. You've got Dansby. You're going to have to pay. They probably would like to buy out some years of Riley instead of having to wait till he gets close to his free agency. So there are other factors here where you have a very young team. Yes, Acuna and Albies are locked up, but there's other guys. And if you know, I think the reality for fans is we look at it and we say, okay, Freddie Freeman, we want him. We should get him. We should keep him. And I think we should. But if it means Ian Anderson walks, if it means Austin Riley has to walk or Dansby Swanson has to walk, does that change how you guys feel at all? Jose, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I to me, I, I this good point. Good point. Uh, we, you know, I don't know. This is tough. You can hear me fumbling through all this because you have this young talent. But – I think Freddie's proven himself, and maybe he is an Albert Pujols at 38. But even mm-hmm. Albert Pujols, you know, the Dodgers saw he and him having some sort of club-level presence or sure. some sort of veteran. Uh, I think with the amount of money we can afford it some way, somehow. I mean, uh, we've had some pretty bad contracts in the past. Sure. I think we can swallow it. But you're right. It is a huge risk. Any team taking him towards the end of his career, you can almost – you can, I mean, how many players go that far in baseball? I think Pujols maybe one, and even him, I don't even know why he's kind of around. He might have played. Much. I think he might have played past his prime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and lots of respects to Pujols, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame one one day. You know, uh, 
but it is i don't know to me it's a, a risk willing to take and i'm saying that now with the uncertainty and all of the emotions that that causes and, and as a fan of, of freddie who's my one of my you know i think he's my favorite brave uh so i mean yeah it, it's tough it's tough because our we have a lot of uh young talent and uh we're gonna have to sacrifice something. You're right. Something has is gonna have to sacrifice for this. I, I look at some of the deals, Alex, the short term deals that Alex Anthopoulos has done over the years. You got Charlie Morton, who he did a one year deal with last year, ended up working out. And then you got a little bit. You got Travis Darnold, who he did a little bit longer, a two year deal with uh, back in two, at the end of, or at the end of 2019 offseason. Um, he's worked out so far, allowed him to extend two more years, which Travis Darnold is probably at the end of that contract will probably be – you'll probably have gotten the best of Travis Darnot that you could possibly ask for at that point because I don't think he's going to get much better after the next two years because he is hitting that 35, 36-year-old, that, that, the, the years in his career. So you, I'm wondering if he's wanting to do maybe a four – I mean, obviously the five-year deal came out. So you wonder, you know, is he starting to hit – is that what he's wanting? Freddie's wanting more – and Alex isn't willing to do that. I don't know. There could be so many things that could go on with that. But the one thing that concerns me and a lot, the one situation that I feel like Alex would really have to do a lot of explaining for, if you let Freddie Freeman walk, but you keep Marcella Zuna after all the Marcella Zuna stuff that's gone on in the past year. And Jamie, I want to hear your thoughts on this first. Is that, is that a PR problem? for the organization if that does occur. I don't think I, – I, I think it's a PR problem no matter what you do with Freddie because I don't think – I mean, the, the Ozuna thing is kind of a, a thing into itself, and I don't think it's an Alex Anthopoulos decision. I think it's a Liberty Media, a Terry McGurk. It, it's higher than Alex on that because there's only two choices. He has no trade value. You're not going to get anybody to take him. So you can either – bite the bullet, let him play, and hope he doesn't get booed at home. Or you can pay him all his money to go away. Those are the only two choices. And so, you know, the BJ Upton deal, the you know, the uh, Dan Ugla deal, I guess Dan Ugla more than BJ. BJ, we actually ended up trading. But for Dan Ugla, we just paid him to go away. Right. It, it was sunk money. And if the Braves can do that, I think that's probably what they will do and just move on. But I'm not sure they can. And, 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 and really, they may see how it plays out by allowing him to come to spring training if there is spring training or when there is spring training. Because everything that was initially reported, the video that first came out, I mean, obviously the guy and his wife have a contentious relationship. It was contentious the year before. Um, it doesn't excuse anything that's happening or has happened, but the reality is it wasn't as bad as it was. And the charges have now been dropped. So there is logic of saying, hey, the legal system didn't feel like this was worth pursuing. Why can he not come back to work? Sure. And, and, and I, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with that. I just think that has to be a part of the calculus. And, I mean, there's – a lot of money. I mean, essentially, the the, the money that they're going to pay Freddie, and I mean, twice for two years is what we're talking about. It's a lot of money that they're they owe Azuna if he if they pay him to go away. Right, Jose. 
Yeah, I think I brought this point last last episode. Um, yeah, I mean, we have to bite the bullet with Ozuna, and I, I don't think I agree with Jamie. I mean, this is it's just a bad situation all around. Uh, I think I honestly, I think fans are gonna forgive all this, and especially with the Braves, I guess politically down here, I think it'll be okay. Uh, I mean, I even think in LA with Bauer, they'll come back and things will just be, you know, okay. Uh, and Ozuna's a good bat. I mean, he's doing okay down. With, it was the Dominican League, I think, is where he's at down there. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough choice, but I, I do agree. This has to be kind of a, a, a two separate issues here. And uh, you know, I, I would just, I just any any way we can bring Freddie back. Uh, I guess the question, I, Hayden, what do you what if he leaves? You were about to, you're. I, I feel like you're about to do the exact segue into the question I was about to ask you, but continue. <laughs> yeah, who do you think could fill him? Like, what's the best person to fill his position, his shoes, if he were to leave? And how do you, uh, I guess, how do you restore that in the clubhouse? I keep talking about his leadership role. Like, how, like, you know, everyone brings up a name like Matt Olson and, you know, some of these other bigger names. Like, how are you going, like, who's the next leader at that point? Who's the next person to step up? Well, I think, here's the thing about it with the Braves. There's such a good team chemistry all around. I mean, you've got Dan's, you've got the guys that have played together for so long, like starting in the farm. You've got Riley, Swanson, Albies, Acuna. You've got all those guys that have played together for so long. So I think the gel is still going to be there with this team, the special bond. Um, and you've got Max Freed. You've got Soroka, who will hopefully be back at some point and hopefully be the Mike Soroka that we know he can be. Yes. Um, so I, I really think that the there somebody is going to step up in that role, whether it's Dansby, whether it's Austin Riley, whether it's Acuna, whether it's one of the guys we got at the deadline and we decide to bring him back, uh, Rosario or Soler, whoever. I think that there's there's still going to be that team chemistry. Um, but to answer, who do we bring in? I, I really think that there's going to probably end up being a trade to Oakland for Matt Olson. I really see that as being the um, top backup plan. Um, I like Anthony Rizzo. I really do. And, you know, if he were to be the replacement plan, I mean, he's not Freddie, but I would welcome Anthony Rizzo to Atlanta. I'd have no problem with that. Because um, I think Anthony Rizzo do, it does bring value to any team, whoever he goes to. So, but I think right now you probably have to go with Matt Olson because he is under contract. He's still under contract with Oakland. So you would have two or three years of control. I think it's two years of control with Matt Olson. Plus, he's a Georgia guy. He played at Parkview High School, um, which is rivals at the school that I currently work in, the district I currently work at. But, um, but uh, I, I really do think that Matt Olson is probably going to be the top target and but I do think the Braves are going to probably have to give a lot up for him because the A's are going to know that hey they need Matt Olson or they need a first baseman so we need to get as much out of them as we can so we might have to fork a lot of prospects we might have to give up a Pache or a uh, Drew Waters or um, a God forbid a Shea Langoliers I hope we don't have to give him up in that deal um might have to give up both of those guys, not Langoliers, but the two outfielders. And you know, plus I th- Contreras. I, I think in that in that situation, the Braves would go out and probably sign another outfielder. 
um, whether it's bringing Rosario back or whatever. I mean, there's 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 plenty of there's plenty of situation there's plenty of ways that I think the outfield situation could be resolved. Um, but yeah, I think that you're going to have to give up a lot. I think uh, uh, Jamie mentioned it. Probably a Contreras would probably be the ideal over Langoliers because I I really like Shea Langoliers. I've been very high on that guy since he got drafted. Um, you're probably going to have to give up a guy like. Um, Maybe a Kyle Wright. I don't know if you're going to have to give up a Kyle Wright. Um, some top pitching prospects. Um, there are several guys. We're loaded with pitching prospects down in the farm from Rome to Gwinnett. So uh, you're going to probably have to fork out one of those guys. And probably, like I said, like Jamie and I both said, a Waters or a Pache or both. So you're going to have to give up a lot in that situation. But is it worth getting a a year, a, a year, a consistent two sixty uh, batting average with thirty home, thirty to thirty five home runs a year, and maybe another piece of that Oakland team that they're trying to get rid of to start their rebuild. I, I mean, I, I think that would probably be the case, um, and I think it would probably be worth it, especially if you give up one, or especially if you only have to give up one or the other with those two between Pache and Waters. But um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We're going to be very interested in finding out. But I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on who would be the better option at first base. Freddie Freeman. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. So, Jamie's saying no backup plan there. I, 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 I mean, honestly, I'm sure – yeah, I, I don't know who the better option is. I don't think it's going to matter because if it's not Freddie Freeman, unless whoever we get wins the MVP – you're it, it you you better hope that things go well. Let's just put it that way. Right. You you're, it's going to be something that you're you better hope the risk is worth the reward at that point. But yeah. Jose, but Jose, I, I mean you're right. I, who knows? I mean, I wish we had more options at first around the league. I I don't know if we had that much. Uh. So, yeah. I mean, it would be great. Freddie Freeman would come back, but uh. I think maybe uh, Rizzo, maybe, uh, just because he's got experience. Uh, but his his bat, his, his bat has kind of been, you know, it's been, I mean, he's older now, you know? Right. He's not going to be producing Freddie Freeman numbers. And honestly, maybe Freddie Freeman, you know, his, he's getting up there in age. Maybe, you know, we don't, we're not, we're obviously not going to see the same numbers we've, we've seen. I mean, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is the, the guy that will just continue to hit for a long time. But uh, maybe, yeah, Rizzo, maybe if I had to choose. Olsen's probably not a bad option either. You know, I know it, it, I don't want it to sound like I'm trash talking these guys, but, you know, really our best option is the guy that we already have there. And Right. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, yeah, I mean he's, he's been there when things were really bad. I mean, the, the years that nobody would watch the games, uh, you know, so – yeah, it, it would be it, it in many ways it, this would this would be great to keep him uh but honestly as much as i keep talking about how bad this would be it's it won't be the end of the world it's not going to break the Braves uh it's certainly not going to make things easier though all right all right i would agree with that i mean Jamie and i talked about it many times last year before um actually even before the season i think me Jamie and Nate did a show last year and we said we thought this Freddie Freeman deal 
would be done either a at the end of spring training of the 2021 season or at some point during the season to where this free agency thing wouldn't even be a possible like would be out of sight out of mind for Freddie Freeman so the fact that we're sitting here in February even though technically in February you'd be reporting to spring training and everything would be done whether he's on the team or not but the fact that we're still sitting that we were sitting December 1st without a deal with Freddie Freeman is well beyond what we expected at this point. So, I don't know. At this, at this point, I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm optimistic, but it, the optimism has gone down from 90 to 95 to 70 to 75 pretty quick. So, uh, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But now, speaking of Freddie Freeman and Braves that we have mentioned tonight, tonight, as Braves fans, we're going to sit down and we're going to give our – all-time Atlanta Braves lineup. Since Jamie is our guest tonight, we'll let Jamie go first and set his all-time Braves lineup at every single position. Jamie, take it away. All right, we, we, we're, we're going to go all the way through? That's the way we want to do it? From your – yeah, just at each position. All right. Well, my center fielder well, – I don't know why I should start there. I should start somewhere else. All right, so uh, at catcher. I'm going to go with Javi Lopez. You young kids are going to say Brian McCann, and there's nothing wrong with Brian McCann. He would be my backup. But uh, my old self, I'm going to take Javi Lopez at uh, catcher. At first base, I'm going to take Freddie um, with the, his backup being Galarraga again. Mm. Yeah, you, you kids. Uh, second base is going to be Ozzy Albies. Shortstop was probably the hardest position. I'm gonna I, go for, I agree. I, I'm going to go for call. I, I, I thought about it a lot, but I'm going to go for call as my shortstop. Um, Chipper, obviously, at third. Hey, is Austin Riley your backup at third? Or do you have I mean, another guy? It, 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 it ain't Andy Marte. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, there is no backup at third. <laughs> it's, it's Chipper, 100 miles of crap, and then everybody else. No offense to Riley, but one year, you know, come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's probably uh, only 50 miles to crap right now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good call. Uh, my left left fielder is going to be Gary Sheffield. Ooh, uh, ooh, yeah. Remember him. Center field, Andrew. Right field, obviously, Ronald. And then uh, I didn't know how we were doing this, so my pitcher, yes. I, took, I took Maddox. Okay. But if we were in the 2022 season and we needed a DH, Fred McGriff. Ooh, with a little left, little left-handed power in there. Man, I like that. I, I, I really do like that. Man, that was. I like that, Jamie. Wow, that's gonna be hard to beat. But anyway, Jose. Um. Wow. Yeah. This is uh, some some of these players. I you know I like it. Um. Catcher. I guess. I mean, I didn't have the fortune to remember a lot of Javi Lopez, but I've heard great things and seen awesome videos. Brian McCann. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, first baseman, uh, Freddie, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of competition there. I, I do think uh, second base, Aussie. And I actually had for call, too, on a shortstop. This was a tough position. Not yeah. a lot of, uh, I, I remember of, uh, what's his name, Renteria? That was, he was fun to watch. He he was good. Uh, you know Escobar. I mean, he was oh, kind of a tool, yeah. but he was good. Yes. <laughs> you got Anderson Simmons. Anderson Simmons for the defense, you know. But for call, he was so dynamic. As far as a, uh, you know, base stealing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think Dansby maybe give him a couple of years and he does okay. He's got he's got a, a position there to, to take over third base. Yeah, Chipper Jones for sure. Um, left field, I 
I kind of, I guess I bend the rules a little bit, but maybe could I? Del Murphy technically could play there a little bit. So. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'll put him there. Centerfield, Andrew Jones, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe he'll get in, in the next couple of years. And right field, uh, Hank Aaron. Wow. So Acuna is left off the list. Well, if you know, Jamie kind of brought something in that I liked. The DH. Could we put ah, him in the DH? There you go. <laughs> I, I I told Hayden earlier today. I was just going to do it in my lifetime. I didn't I, I didn't want to mess with past my uh, personal experience. But I, yes, if if you have to, you know, maybe maybe we'll let Acuna play the outfield and let Hank be the DH. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's not a bad idea either. <laughs> well, and you know what? You're right because we didn't get we didn't have the fortune to see Hank and and all the so it's all all it is not the same right than the, the players that we got to see. Very true. Very true. So, uh, pitcher, um, if we had to pick one, I'm going to go with Tom Glavin. I really like Johnson, John Smoltz because yeah. um, I kind of got to see the tail end of his career. Um, so, anyway, we got a lot of good options there. All right. My left fielder is none other than Dale Murphy playing left field. Center field, I have Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones. I'm sorry. I always call him Andrew. But it's Andrew Jones. Who, which, by the way, his son is starting to pick up some steam for the MLB draft mm-hmm. coming up in June if we have an MLB draft. I'm not sure how that all works out now with the lockout. But right field, Ronald Acuna, just because, I mean, he's going to be one of the Braves' all-time greats. He's already headed in that direction as long as he stays healthy. Third base, my all-time favorite player, number 10, Chipper Jones. Mm-hmm. Shortstop, I have Rafael Fercal. But with Dansby Swanson as his backup, because I think Dansby is knocking on the door of becoming one of the all-time greatest shortstop in, shortstops in Atlanta Braves history. Second base, Ozzy Albies. First base, Freddie Freeman with his backup being Fred McGriff. Mm. So if your name if your name starts with Fred in Atlanta, you have a pretty good meaning here. Um, catcher, Javi Lopez, Jamie. Yeah, I know you were you were saying us young bucks weren't going to say Javi Lopez, but Javi Lopez <laughs> was on my list as the all-time catcher. Backup would be Brian McCann, though, uh, just because Georgia guy. But Travis Darno was kind of knocking on that door with Brian McCann. DH, Hank Aaron. Pitcher, starting pitcher. I'm going to go away from the 95 rotation. I'm going to go away from either World Series team rotation. I'm going to go with Phil Necro as my starting pitcher. Oh, wow. Gainesville, Georgia native. Not too far from where I Flyer am. Flyer Branch, right? Or Flyer Branch, somewhere like that. I know he has a house on Lake, had a house on Lake Lanier. Yeah. But Phil Necro is my all-time pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. And, yeah, I think that's about it. Honorable mention. Let's see. Honorable mention, guys. Eddie Matthews, of course. Um, I guess I put Simmons on the all the honorable mention at shortstop because he was a good shortstop. Didn't really have a good bat, but had a good short was great at shortstop. But manager, who would be your all time manager for the Atlanta Braves? Let, let's <laughs> let's all uh, let's all break that one down. That's an easy one. Come on, Brian Sticker, Freddie Gonzalez, Freddie Gonzalez for sure. <laughs> <laughs> would it would it would it be Bobby Cox or Brian Sticker though for you, Jamie? Um, so I, I have a, a love hate relationship with Bobby Cox. I love Bobby Cox. Obviously, 
the the career accomplishment. You know, baseball is a numbers game, and when you right. talk about the numbers, the fourteen straight division championships, like that, will never be touched, not even close. Um, I gotta be honest though, uh, a lot of a lot of the time in the nineties and in the early two thousands, it felt like Bobby really underachieved. I would still say Bobby Cox, but it, I, I'm conflicted when it comes to Bobby Cox. Interesting, Jose. I would I would say Bobby Cox. Um, just because Snicker, honestly, Hayden, you know this. I have I've had a love hate relationship with him, but he just brought me a World Series. So right now, I love him. I hate right, him. Yeah. In June. I mean, what's going to happen next year? You know, or, or right. the following. Uh, but one thing I remember about Bobby, Bobby, whenever I used to watch the games, you could hear him barking. You know, just being so loud in the back, just cheering every player. This guy was in it. Like he he just loved the game. I don't think there'll ever be a manager like him, and I hope there is. But and, and I don't think there will ever be a manager to break his all-time ejections record either. Well, um, they they yeah. can't get thrown out anymore because I now know. you you can't you can't. I mean, I guess you could, but I mean, basically, you you just have to go out there and argue every time there's a video replay. Which, if that was the case, Brian Snicker would probably be chasing Bobby Cox with ejections because replays <laughs> did not seem to go to Bray's way this year. <laughs> That's because Snit, Snit's pretty bad at him. Let's be honest. Like, if yeah. you watch the replay, you go, don't challenge that. Oh, the Braves are challenging. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Snit, I mean, he got us a World Series, so we got to show him a little bit of grace there. But there are some decisions where we sit there and we're like, what is he doing in the middle of the game? Like, mm-hmm. so. I, I think maybe you guys will agree with this. I think Snit turned out to be a really good playoff manager when you just can go for it. He's right. really mm-hmm. good at just going for it. Um, Bobby was never as good at in the playoffs. Like, he seemed to struggle more in the playoffs. I think, like, July is when I want to kill Smith, right? Like, <laughs> where it's just like, why? Why are we doing this? Why are you pitch hitting for somebody, you know, the, the starting pitcher in the fifth inning? Like, why do you do these things? Uh, he will benefit greatly from not having to make the pitching decisions uh, related to the DH. So That is true. That is very true. I mean – you could see anytime Brian Snickers going out to pull Max Freed after five innings and seventy-five pitches, and you see Snick come walking out because he feels like the pitch count's getting up. You're just like, oh gosh, what are you doing? He's lucky that was it Bauer that threw the ball like when uh, Terry Francona went to get the ball in Cleveland, he just threw it over the center field wall. Right, yeah. <laughs> He's lucky that Freed and other guys have not done that. <laughs> I mean, I think if they did, I, I mean, that, I would, I would. Be rather rather entertained, but um, he did make some moves. He did make some moves during the postseason that ended up working out in our favor, like pulling in Anderson after five no hit innings in the game three of the World Series. Ended up working out in our favor. Pulling in Anderson in the in the NLCS ended up winning us the NLCS. Right. So he he's he's got some things that have balanced it out. Finally, six years later, but man, there have been some decisions where you're just like, oh my gosh. Here it comes, especially early in the season with this bull, with the bullpen being as bad as it was. So, but yeah, that's a whole other story for a whole other day. We could go on that topic all night <clears> long. <throat> but anyways, thank you guys for joining us tonight on the show. If you're going to listen, we appreciate that. Make sure you follow our channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll also probably have some YouTube stuff coming up soon for Touch Em All. And if you're a football fan and you want to hear more of Jamie, We'll have more stuff of fourth and wrong coming up in the next few weeks. So be sure to list, uh, keep an eye out for that. Thank you guys again. Jamie, thank you for joining us tonight. Jose, as always, it has been fun. 
This has been another episode of Touch Them All. Everybody have a great night.